Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Harry's podcast. I hope you're well. I hope you're feeling creative, staying productive. The days are starting to feel a bit brighter, longer. Feels like finally things are a little bit positive, I think. I don't want to jinx it. Things are feeling good. And I'm feeling good because last week we wrapped on the latest short film, Harry is Not Okay. So we shot uh, Sunday and then in the middle of that week I recorded a podcast, the last podcast, and then we shot Saturday and Sunday. And the last podcast actually really helped me sort of get things out in the open and, and uh, my frustrations and kind of analyse why I was thinking the way I was thinking, which is great because that's kind of a big point of this podcast as a bit of a diary to help me and, and hopefully help others. And I think it's a mixture of when you haven't shot something that ambitious for a while, you second guess and overthink everything. And I was thinking, well, this isn't going as well as it should be, which is stupid because I think it was going perfectly fine. And then recorded the podcast, sort of had a little bit of introspective uh, analysis of like, you know, man, get your shit together, be more positive, you're blessed to be doing this sort of thing. And people who are around you are excited. Uh, why aren't you excited? And the answer to that was simply too much plate spinning. And um, I wasn't looking at the whole, the, the bigger picture. And then we shot Saturday and Sunday and I felt like it went brilliantly. There was a little bit of compromise on both days, but nothing where it was changing the script dramatically. So we basically, we, we had the script, we really liked it and we shot the script. So you can't really ask for more than that. It wasn't a frantic shoot. That's the thing as well. We weren't like, it was just relaxed and I feel like, well, that's the best way to work. And some days, you know, I think Saturday we started filming at like 12 o'clock, which is obviously very late. And then I think on the Sunday we started filming about 11-ish. So we weren't super regimented in, right, let's get there at 8 a.m. and we're turning over at 9. And I think in the grand scheme of things, we were right to do that because, you know, people weren't getting paid. And it, that isn't really sometimes conducive to a fun creative way of working now obviously if people are getting paid you can sort of keep stricter hours and such but at one point to me it weirdly felt like a bit of a house party because we were shooting in a van uh, outside the cinematographer Jim's house and we were just kind of now and then taking a break and having a drink and sort of discussing the show and it just felt very casual in a good way because the last thing you want is loads of stress on on the second day of a shoot going uh, we've got all this stuff to do and then we've got tomorrow to do and and that was sort of in the back of my mind as well the fact that we well, yeah we'd got one day out of the out of the way which is great but then even when you're shooting on the saturday you are thinking well tomorrow is probably the most ambitious day and uh, there was a little bit of worry about that day in my head but you can't you can't have that in your head you've got to be cracking on with what you're meant to be cracking on with so it is all pretty much shot now. I think there's one pickup shot that Jim can do in his flat. But besides that, it feels um, it feels good and it feels positive. And the really nice thing that happened yesterday, Chris, the editor, has started working on the film and he sent across like 50 stills. I wasn't expecting uh, that many stills. I, I would love, you know, I messaged him a couple of days ago and said, you know, please, can you send me some stills across? Because I'd love to see them for my own sort of, selfishness of of getting excited by them but also 
um, I wanted to send them across to a couple of people and the actors and just kind of build on that positivity of, you know, you've just got involved with the project, we've wrapped it, and um, here's a few photos of you looking great in this film uh, and kind of can you spread the word. So Chris sent over the stills and I was just like blown away by how this film's looking and I know Lawrence is also super excited because he he keeps saying you know this is exactly how we how we imagined when when we were writing this thing so that feels good and it made me think of in one of my favorite books ever Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew when he's finished his feature film or fin finished shooting it he gets to the edit suite and the first thing he does is he cuts himself a trailer. Like he cuts himself the most amazing two minute trailer because he's so exhausted by filming that he, he just needs that. It's almost like this sugary goodness and this high of like, look what you've done, look what you've made. Even though it's his mind sort of tricking him because uh, he hasn't finished it yet. He hasn't finally, you know, he hasn't finished the film. The film doesn't really exist. He's still got to edit it together. But he thought, what I'll do is I'll make a two-minute trailer and that way it will keep myself excited and it will also, I can send it to other people and it can excite them. So I like to think of Chris's stills as that sort of little cheat code, little excitement of, yeah, we've 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 got something here. This is really cool. Even though, obviously... The film is just starting to be edited and we do have a few other bits and bobs to do that are kind of obviously very important to the film, such as score and a bit of voiceover. After the three days, I wasn't exhausted, obviously like somebody would be if they'd just finished a feature film like Robert Rodriguez did. But I think after the Saturday and the Sunday and just the whole week in general and kind of the week leading up to the first shooting day, you are a bit sort of mentally drained and it was interesting to hear how the crew were doing and how Jim was doing in terms of it's just a different beast when you're you know when you do a short like we have been doing the last couple of years sometimes it's only like three or four pages and you shoot for half a day and and then it's done and you might be a little bit tired or, or whatever but then when you're shooting three days and you're holding a lot more in your head. It just, I think it's more mentally taxing and you're just maybe not on the ball as much as you could be. So it was interesting to see how everyone else was dealing with it. After the Saturday, I kind of couldn't get to sleep because I was sort of, had so much adrenaline. And then on the Sunday, that was a harder day in this sort of creepy derelict house. And it was a bit more stressful for me because it was the last day and we were paying for the house. So, you know, you can't come back or if you do, it's gonna cost you quite a bit of money. So there was there was probably a level of stress there under the surface that I didn't realise that was going on. So on the Sunday, I was kind of, I was really tired. But then on the Monday, I woke up really sort of inspired and like, yeah, we've done this thing. We've, we've shot the film. So it was interesting from that perspective to see how, how I basically reacted to the three days, tiredness-wise and mentally, because... I hadn't shot, even though the three days weren't together, I, I hadn't even shot two days together for years. You know, we shot Hits Like a Girl, which was a three-day shoot in 2014, I think. And then everything else after that has been, been a one-day shoot. So then to do one day, and then obviously you're spending most of that week prepping stuff and quite a lot of Zoom calls and stuff and and then you shoot in the Saturday and Sunday. It's not like you have a nice relaxing week in between uh, the shooting days. You're still sort of constantly 
thinking about things and and tiring yourself out and then the the day after the shoot it felt really good because I had the chance like I always do to sit down and write a couple of notes and sort of what went right which was a lot of things and then what could have been a little bit better which you know there wasn't a lot on that list really because you have to realize that considering the money and time and everything that goes with that that there's only so much you can do really and you've got to kind of cut yourself some slack yeah it feels like we we set ourselves a challenge and we did it and speaking to Jim we had we had a pickup shot to do on the Monday after after the the last two shooting days and speaking to Jim Jim just kept saying you know we got it done you know you know we did it we got it done man and uh I don't really think like that normally because in a way that's like the bar's too low for me if it's like oh yeah we got it done well like of course we got it done that was like the minimum the minimal thing to do getting it done but then after hearing him say that I was kind of like yeah no you are right we we did it we got it done and it's not easy to write 11 pages of a script and then sort of a month later get it done and then seeing these stills seeing to what level that you've done it and the fact that you've cast these actors and and there's a lot that goes into that and I guess sometimes as a filmmaker you don't think about all that because that seems like nothing that seems like the minimum that that is required so it was it was nice to hear that shooting the three days like we did and the Monday being a bit of a high rather than a come down felt like a welcome surprise because sometimes when you finish a project you do have a bit of a like a bit of a slump um and that hasn't come yet thankfully and hopefully it doesn't but it made me think about how filmmakers do short film shoots two three days and then they'll get a tv shoot you know and it might be long a little bit longer and then how do they do the feature film jump you know in terms of the professional 30 days plus or whatever it's it's like there must be a secret group or pamphlet that goes around where it's like right this is what you need to do to look after yourself to actually get through this because it is like a stamina thing where you don't get taught that in film school you're gonna have to get up these hours and be mentally on it for 30 days and then obviously everything around that before and after so i i was tired after the shoot but i was also super like I just had adrenaline in me where I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about everything we'd done and everything that needed to be done on the shore in a good way. I'm hungry for more now. I'm hungry to to get this finished. I've got two short films that I need to finish and then get on to the next one. So which we've we've already kind of started talking about, but I don't want to get too carried away as well because you, your mind can wander. And I, I have set myself the little rule of don't look past May, F- finish these short films because. As filmmakers, we do have a habit of of looking ahead and thinking about multiple projects because we've kind of got to. It's in our nature to do that because, you know, it's it's in the future that you have to prepare for. If you're making a film, you, you're thinking about the future and then, well, if I can do that, then maybe I can do this. And a lot of it is sort of making you think like that, think about the future and give up the present. When you play sports and you're playing a match or you're getting ready for a match, you're not thinking about the next match after that. You're just thinking about that first match. And I think weirdly with um, with filmmaking, sometimes, well, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just my personality flaw, you can think about the next, the next one. 
when you shouldn't really be thinking about the next one. You know, for example, the last couple of days, I've been out of sync a little bit because I've got something that I need to be cracking on with. And I have been sort of procrastinating a little bit on what's to come next. And like, even it feels so stupid to admit this, but like last night I spent like half an hour looking up office space in Manchester, which is totally stupid because I can't quite afford that. And um, it was just like a silly daydream. Oh, wouldn't it be great to start my own production company and have an office and go there, set hours, set days and, and be a bit more professional with it and and you just go, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you've got stuff to do. You've got writing to be getting on with. But I think that is just, um, I think that's filmmaking. I think that's not just me. I think everyone does that and it's totally natural. And thankfully, it was only a short amount of time. And then I snapped out of it. I wanted this podcast to be more focused and less waffly than last week's one. But I just don't, I'm unable to do that at the moment. I don't know why. I did want to talk about filmmaking decisions, though, and how so much of filmmaking is decisions and for example on this short that we've just done we had to shoot in a van me and Jim were sort of stressing out about it a little bit in terms of like well how are we going to do this van thing and the van should be moving and what does the light look like and we had a decision of should we buy should should we rent a, a really horrible van for the day and just like make it really dirty and stuff and then that was going to cost us like 80 pound which we didn't mind paying but it was going to cost us 80 pound and then Jim said on one of the Zoom calls, I'm getting a van, like, why don't we just use my van? Or is that going to look too clean and too nice for the guys who own the van? And I'm like, nah, let's just do that. Let's just do the easiest thing. Because no one is going to watch the film and look at the van and go, that's bullshit. They would never have that van. And it would ruin the film. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think sometimes it sounds silly and it sounds counterproductive to making like your best work, but what's the easiest option? I think sometimes you do have to realise when you're compromising too much and when, you know, you're kind of just putting up an obstacle because filmmakers are very good at that as well, like how to put an obstacle up so things just become a little bit harder and you trick yourself in thinking, no, no, this is for to make the film better. This is to make the film really, really good, but... Oftentimes, it's just making things more difficult than they need to be. So, and I think there was a few of those decisions on this film. That's the only one I can really think of because it was just kind of like, we're going to have to spend 80 quid on a van, which we don't mind doing. But then obviously all the time it takes to find a van and then a guy comes and drops it off and he kind of hangs around all day or, you know, that's kind of awkward and something else that has to be dealt with and... I feel like sometimes you make a decision and then five things spring out of that that you're like, oh shit, like I didn't know that was going to happen. So sometimes it's like, let's just make a decision, the easiest one, and and move on quickly. Especially on this budget and timeframes because you're just like, we have other things that we need to figure out. So let's not waste too much time on what type of van should we get. Obviously, if it's a bigger project and you've got more money and stuff, then it's like, maybe you have time to discuss that in a little bit more detail. But just get it done, answer it and move on. In relation to getting excited about your own film with stills and passing them on to people and kind of channeling their excitement to keep you going, I also wanted to say that if you started a project and you haven't quite got going with it yet or, you, or you're sort of stumbling along with it and you don't really have that motivation... I think you need to find something like that, whether it be, you know, taking photos of 
particular locations or just anything, anything you can do to sort of build more excitement into the short film or, or whatever you're working on because that will keep you going. That's like fuel. And don't be afraid of sharing things with people because that's what helps to get you going. You know, we're in April at the moment, so it's like, Jesus, where did this time go? And it will be May before we know it. So it's like four months of the year have gone. A third of the year is gone. And if you haven't done anything yet and you're feeling a bit crappy about that, I won't worry about it. I, I would just sort of start to start anything you can whether it be a one-page document as opposed to a full script or you know if you're thinking about making a short film just get a load of ideas down three four five and share them with someone that's the main thing get get them shared with someone because in all honesty if the producer adam hadn't introduced me to lawrence uh, at the beginning of the year i don't know if i'd made well i definitely wouldn't have made this film because uh, i couldn't have but I don't know if I'd made if I'd have made anything by now. I'd like to think I would have done, but you know, you just don't know. You don't know where your head's at. And maybe I'd have just gone, you know what, I'm just gonna write. I'm gonna write for a few months. So you do need those outside pieces of luck. But I also do think you, you can generate it yourself with excitement, with you know, it's not very hard to if you are thinking about making something but you don't fully know what, is make a list of films that you really love and see what genre keeps popping out and then think to yourself well how can i do a genre like that how can i do a crime film in my hometown if i was going to do a crime film what locations would i pick what friend would i put in this role and how could i simplify it so it's a one-day shoot and there straight away off the top of your head you've got a one-day shoot crime film i've got one of my pals in a role it's really simple and and get shooting it there is a a short film competition called depict 90 second shorts i think if you if you just type in depict.org it'll come up and i would really recommend that i made a short film sort of promoting it last year and it is what it says it's it's 90 seconds of a film and you submit it and you have the chance to win some money, some equipment, and I think the best sort of 20 play at a really good film festival encounters. I'm even thinking of entering that this year just to shoot something in 90 seconds because I just love that challenge, that sort of putting a time on storytelling challenge and seeing if I can do something really cool and different in 90 seconds. So if you are struggling to get something going, maybe use that as a, as a deadline as well. I think the deadline's June the 15th, but look that up. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it's it's the beginning of June anyway. I did want to talk about collaboration in terms of this short film shoot because the collaboration on Harry is not okay was really was really interesting and I've I've never really done it like this before because this is the first time I've worked with a writer in such a collaborative way and I in the past when I'd worked with writers or co-writers it would always be kind of they were acting as well and we would have an idea and we would improvise scenes and then I would go away and write the scenes that's how I've done it in the past and then with this one this was more starting from absolute scratch Lawrence came up with a really good idea and then we built around that and then also throughout the whole process you know on one day Lawrence was outside of the van with headphones on, keeping an eye on the dialogue and making sure that we weren't messing it up. So he's kind of acting like a script supervisor in a way. And then, and also a bit like a producer, you know, because from start to finish, he's 
overseeing the project like a producer would. And also, you know, Jim. Jim hasn't just been in the role of a cinematographer. He's had his eye on on everything as well. And I wanted to talk about collaboration because as soon as you start on the subject of filmmaking, the, the word collaboration comes in very quickly because that's what everyone talks about. It's the most important part of filmmaking. You can't do it on your own. It's all about collaborating and finding talented collaborators is normally at the top of the list in terms of advice as well. Like, oh, you want to make films, you need to surround yourself with like-minded people that that get your style and get your vision and can take your ideas to another level and also chip in their own ideas that totally mould with what you're trying to do because they're, they're the right collaborators. And on this one, it was, I feel like this is the most collaborative film that I've ever made. And it did make me think, I wrote down in my notes the day after we shot, like, and this is me totally overthinking, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. I wrote in my book, was I too collaborative? Was I too open to ideas? Was I too sort of, I guess, indecisive? When somebody asks a question on set, you know, should I wear this jacket? Should I say it like this? Should we have the shot over here? Should we, and I could go on and on and on. I could be making a decision there. Don't listen to anyone else. It needs to be the red jacket. You need to say it like this. You need to, and in quite a lot of the moments on the three-day shoot, I hold my hand up and I go, I'm not sure. What does everyone else think? Obviously, I've got an opinion. I'm not totally that indecisive. But, you know, for example, the actors had really cool jackets that they turned up in. I knew the cool ones were the ones that were going to be noisy as fuck for Ryan in terms of sound. So I said to the actors, I said, I really like these jackets, but let's run it by Ryan. And, you know, let's run it by Jim. Because Jim's seeing this on screen, how it looks with his lighting. He might not want a green jacket. The green jacket might look shit. Whereas to me, I kind of like the green jacket. So obviously Ryan and Jim came up and they were like, yeah, it's fine by me. It's not noisy enough. You know, it's not it's not going to cause my mics any trouble and it's not going to look crap in the van. So go with what you want. And you go, all right, okay. Now that might be only one small example where I've done that, but I also do worry like, again, just am I too collaborative? You know, because you think of some really great filmmakers and directors and uh, I think sometimes the opinion is that they they know it all and they're, and they're a bit more decisive and they have a vision. But I feel like being collaborative and open to everyone else's opinion, for some reason that can be seen as a weakness or maybe I'm I'm seeing it as a weakness and it's it's really not a weakness. It's actually a mega strength. The only time it's a real weakness is if you are totally indecisive, you don't have an opinion, and then someone else says, no, it should be this, and you don't know why, you know, they're not justifying it, or you go with their weak uh, justification of why it should be what they think it should be. And then by doing that over and over and over and over again, you're watering down your own vision and you're not making your film, you're sort of making someone else's, you know, you're making a film by committee in a bad way. And I don't think we did that over the last, you know, over the three days. But that is one of the things that I'm going to keep my eye on of, of you know, using collaboration as a strength and a positive. On the topic of collaboration and using it to your strength and not letting it slide into a free-for-all, there's a really good story of Bradley Whitford getting cast in the post and he said to Steven Spielberg you know when is the read-through and Spielberg said I never do read-throughs so Bradley Whitford is obviously really surprised by this and says well, you know why why don't you do read-throughs 
And he said, um, because it gives the illusion that filmmaking is a democratic process, which it's not, which uh, kind of blew my mind because I thought, wow, that's such a strong thing to say from obviously one of the best filmmakers ever. And it feels very loose and sort of, I don't want to say disorganized because it's, you know, it's each filmmaker has, has their own process. But I just thought about it for a little while and loved it because when you do have a read through, he is right. People do feel like they have the right to say what they think of it. And it becomes a democratic process of I believe this and and things can get debated. And so for one of the best filmmakers to say it's not a democratic process obviously means that, you know, it's down to the director and it's the director's decision. I just thought, yeah, I thought that was really worth sharing. And I thought about it in terms of collaborating and being indecisive on set and and letting in too many voices because, you know, thankfully on this film and all the stuff I've done, I've always been surrounded by people who were really respectful. And if maybe I've been indecisive, they've kind of forgiven that a little bit or they've helped me on my way. But it's never been a, like a free-for-all of like, well, I think it should be like this and, and sort of people jumping on each other's sort of last words and stuff. And I think that's when things can get a bit messy and people are getting a bit carried away. So yeah, I thought that was a really interesting quote. And obviously that's Steven Spielberg and he knows he knows a thing or two. I'm still surprised how many people actually listen to this podcast. Not that we're in the thousands, but a good hundred people a week listen to this podcast or when I bother to put it out once a week a good hundred people listen to it and i'm i'm very grateful and i'm well aware that talking about films and the making of films that no one has seen yet is um a very strange podcast to hang your hat on because obviously this will only be valuable to people really in the future when the films are done and maybe they watch the film first or they listen to the podcast and then they search for the film so for you loyal few who are listening to the podcast now when the film isn't out there, this might seem like a bit of a, um, a thankless task, but hopefully you're getting something from it anyway. I do hope that this podcast can grow, so please share it with someone who you think will get a kick out of it, any filmmakers or writers out there. And I'd love for the podcast to get a bit more interactive as well, like people asking questions or just giving me a few little... Um, jumping off points. I haven't been struggling this week because obviously I've had a shoot to talk about, even though I've kind of scrambled around the topic of the three-day shoot and what was on my mind with it. I guess the main thing that I'm taking away is the first day was kind of the worst day. Maybe not necessarily the shooting, but like mentally it was just, I think I was still thinking of the whole three days when we were setting up the first shot which was obviously foolish. And then the last two days were really fun and joyous and up there with the most fun I've had as a filmmaker. And it felt really exciting because I had people around me that were excited and that hasn't happened a lot of times because I've been in my own bubble and you know I haven't had a writer who was excited about what we were doing or I haven't had a cinematographer take on his role and other roles as much as Jim did on this film and I'm really grateful for that because it will show in the work you know it always shows in the work the effort you put in so I think we're going to be proud of it after seeing the stills I'm finally starting to get excited like the guys were before we'd even shot something if you do have a question you know where to find me I'm I'm everywhere 
on social media because I'm a bad person and I don't get as much done as I should do. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MySpace. So if you do have a question or anything you're wondering, then please reach out to me and ask it. I do occasionally get a few people messaging me, sort of saying they're listening to the podcast and uh, and sort of asking for specific advice. If it's okay in the future, I might ask them, you know, can I talk about that on the podcast? Because then, you know, it benefits other people as well. It's not just a private message. So that might be something I do in the future. So to wrap it up, if you're struggling on your project, find something really exciting about it or something that will build that excitement, like the stills or like the locations or like a composer that you're going to ask to be part of it. Anything that will get you excited and get you going. Don't be afraid of simplifying your idea. Don't be afraid of writing a one-page pitch rather than a full 10-page script. Also, don't be afraid of what's the easiest option. doesn't have to be the dirty van that you're going to pay £80 for and then you've got to look after a weird random guy for the whole day. Don't do that if you don't have to do that. Just use the nice, clean, sparkling van. And also depict.org. Make a 90-second short in June. I'd love to see it. I'm probably going to do it as well. And... We're nearly in May. Don't be beating yourself up if you haven't started something, but start something. If you haven't already, there's no better time than now. If you feel like it, drop me a question. I'll answer it on the next podcast. And also, uh, leave me a review. Quite a few people listen to this podcast, and I've only got 20 reviews on iTunes. So please, leave me a review. It can be a silly one. It can be a funny one. uh, But please, leave me one. Okay, that's everything, Ryan. That was episode 25, and I will see you next time.